1: This episode of Blue Shirts Breakway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blueshirtsbreakway today to get access to our BSBOT, ad-free episodes, our Discord, and much more. Greg's probably going to talk about some of his betting today. uh, That includes the Patreon. And of course, we have Shana Goldman on the podcast to talk about the New York Rangers, the Metro, and much more. Hope everyone got through their Super Bowl Monday hangover, and we can all get back to what really matters. The Rangers hockey and if they can fix the power play. Let's figure out that, huh? Without further ado, here's Mark Messier. Let's get to the show.
2: Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
1: Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome. With the a- yeah. I am your host, Ryan You I'm here with my co-host Greg Kaplan. Greg, we won on a Monday. Say hello.
2: Oh, these are so much easier to do after wins. It's so much nicer.
1: I mean, are you want to do it now? It wins and you made a lot of money.
2: <laughs> That's right. We are we are arousing uh 19 seconds into this podcast. We are here to talk today, not about the New York Rangers. What about Juwan Jennings and how everyone 16 people just shut the podcast off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever, man. The,
2: the 50 that followed my advice are like, yes, Greg. Please, Greg. Give me more, Greg.
1: Well, look, you uh you did a gambling with Greg. It went really well. It turns out it went... you know some things. I, I admit this later in the podcast that you actually know things sometimes. Pretty pretty upsetting.
2: Uh other uh, bets I other bets I won, Christian McCaffrey over three and a half rushing yards on his first carry. That was a very easy one. The layup of all layups at the opening kickoff would be a touchback. Another very easy one. That one uh, feels like free money. Well, sure, but bet it then. <laughs>
1: anyway, uh, Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. won 2 0. Uh, Igor Susterkin, first shutout of the year. He mm-hmm. looked quite good. Uh, Rangers got really close to almost getting goalied yet again. Markstrom looked unbelievable tonight. Should we talk about the Joe Micheletti like
2: little hint drop? Yeah, we should, because it was also dropped by the Flames broadcast and TSN.
1: I thought so, the same—it was at the same time, almost. It was really weird. So Strange. For those that don't have, didn't watch all three broadcasts like Greg and I, <laughs> uh, they were talking about Markstrom's no-movement clause, which we all know he has, and it, all three broadcasts somehow specifically mentioned the Devils, and like, hey, they were talking— but, you know, he has no movement clause. I didn't say it didn't happen or he invoked it. It was just really strange that all three broadcasts almost at the same time did it <laughs> in sync, I guess. No other way to put it.
2: So I I did some sleuthing. Obviously, I checked in with Jeff because I need his opinion on all these things. I must have missed where Friedman in a column or a radio hit said the other day that the Devils and the Flames had a deal in place and it fell through. Which- oh. Which would go in line, Ryan, with a little rumor you and I had heard that we had tried to get confirmed ourselves that the Devils thought they were close on a Markstrom-Hannafin trade. That is something we heard, was that two weeks ago at this point?
1: Yeah, and everything that came back on our side was absolutely not.
2: Yeah, (laughs) some people called us fucking nuts, which I, I get it. The person we heard it from has been right before, and we like to check these things, and we like... To pass them off to people that would know. We do not report this shit because it is not our job.
1: No, we, we are idiot podcasters.
2: Right. But we do get real honest to God tips, which is why our insider channel exists. And we try to flush <laughs> them out force. as best <laughs> as we can. But it's to me, it's crazy that like I I don't think people simply saw the Friedman report and was like, well, it fell through. I don't know how Friedman's report without these these guys talk to people and they don't say shit until they feel like they are allowed to say shit which is why it's so frustrating dealing with hockey insiders because this is information we would have just known two weeks ago if this was any other sport but it sure seems to me that broadcasts that are clued in enough have done enough research where they can now pass it off as common knowledge at the same time that markstrom said no to a devil's trade
1: Really weird, like really weird way to find that out, because uh, spoiler alert, we have Shana Goldman on the podcast later. We do talk about Markstrom because it does. While you may not think this is New York Rangers related, it is directly New York Rangers related because he likely is the target or was the target of the New Jersey Devils and was going to be in your division for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Seemingly, that might not happen at this point. So stay tuned. But really, really weird to have it just on the broadcast said so matter of factly multiple places. Anyway, Igor Shosturkin, huh?
2: Igor Igor Shosturkin. We should also make mention that the Knicks are currently getting dribbled out of the gym against the Houston Rockets. So the Rangers have won five in a row. And uh, the, Knicks, the
1: curse of the Garden, baby. <laughs> the Knicks, the
2: Nets are on the verge of, I think, losing their third or fourth straight game. This this thing's undefeated, man. I I, I it, don't, I don't know, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting hockey game, Ryan. Um, the big star tonight for me are the two goalies. It's just it's great to see Shosturkin. It's clicking. What Whatever extra work he's been doing with Benny, whatever he's been doing uh, in side sessions, you name it, um, he had a lot of... He've, to me, he faced the same amount of high danger chances that he's been facing all season long. Differences tonight, he's he's making the saves. And we've, we've said nothing could be more important or dynamic for this Ranger team than Igor Shosturkin simply playing like Igor Shosturkin. And he played like it tonight, and Markstrom was phenomenal. And I mean, Markstr- Markstrom losing this game gave me Jacob Degrom PTSD. I've never seen someone play that well and get a loss in least deserving fashion.
1: Lafreniere, it has to be sick. He has to be sick. He missed a. Uh, he fanned on a shot. He had multiple attempts where he could have scored. He looked incredibly dangerous all night long. Lafreniere, did the last couple games, I, I don't know what it is. Well, I do. He was the first overall pick, and he has a lot of talent. But it's finally starting to show on the ice where he can create so many dangerous chances on his own or with Artemi Panarin, whatever you want to say. He's just not finishing. And whether that's him not finishing and not having a finishing ability or just being damn right out unlucky, it's one of the two or might be somewhere in between. But, dude, he's yeah, he had like five or six super dangerous chances tonight. And just uh, Markstrom stonewalled him on every single
2: one. Yeah, I... <laughs> Man, either Lafreniere is the unluckiest player in the NHL, or we're eventually going to have to have a conversation about his finishing ability. But I'm not having it after this game. Not, nah, no, me going He looked awesome. It. Yeah, uh, the power play is a fucking mess. Wow. Um,
1: uh, okay. Can, all right. Give me give me two minutes here because yeah. I can't talk about
2: this enough. Well, they... be- be- before before you start, we do have to. We now do have to ponder the question, Ryan. Did I do this? I make one shirt about Adam Fox scoring power play points. And suddenly the range is like, wouldn't it be funny if we never did this again?
1: Yeah, it is. It, I, again, you do have weird powers. It is. I, I wish I could go up back on record and say you don't, but we have a really, really strong track record of you doing this. And uh, they changed the power play lines. We, we talk about it with Shane as well. Brzezinski goes in the top line. Wheeler goes in the top line, whatever you want to call it a top power play or not. They split it evenly. And through the first two periods, they try these new things out. And honestly, they look okay. It's not that they didn't score, but they look all right. You know, having Brozinski on the, and Wheeler out there for a little more extended time, not exactly the best. Wheeler looked okay tonight, wasn't thrilled. Anyway, the third period, they decide, fuck this, we're going right back to it. And They put, they put back Power Play 1 as we know and, lo- know and love it and it was an abject disaster. Adam Fox has two terrible, terrible turnovers. They spend, I think, at least 38 seconds in their own zone defending mm-hmm. <laughs> Igor Shosturkin, taking like four or five shots. There's a multiple breakaway. It's, it's, there's no way to say it's other than a disaster. Everything else about this game tonight, the Rangers in the first period caused so many turnovers, had the forecheck, looked dangerous, made two-on-one plays. Markstrom was awesome. Everything was working all night tonight and we're going to get to the third line. Trust me. Cause I love it. But when power play one is we know it comes back out, dude, it's like they forgot how to play hockey. I don't don't know what's happening. This was the most devastating power play we've ever seen in this spurt earlier this season. They looked unstoppable and now it looks like they couldn't be further on the other side of the spectrum.
2: Well, I'll push back on the first power play opportunity. The Rangers had, and the only, power play opportunity the Rangers really had before that calamity in the third period. I don't think there's any other word to use to describe it. The new units did not look good. They registered zero shots on their first power play attempt. The closest they got was my guy, Jacob Truba once again, hitting a piss missile that I think landed in Secaucus.
1: It was 600 feet off the net. Yeah. I
2: I fucking love it. It just makes me laugh every time. It's so fun. Like sports aren't for you. If you're not able to enjoy the fact that Jake Chuba has never seen a shot he doesn't like and has less of an idea as to where that shot is going than Sullenberger does about landing planes in, in fucking rivers,
1: honestly, it's, it's one of the most enjoyable parts of sports. Tropes it's okay.
2: about players, it's the greatest. Yeah, just anytime a guy can really be a dude in the middle of a sporting event, I fucking love it. Like uh, Daniel Vogelback running the bases. Man, that's just good, clean, fun, American fun.
1: Yeah, who's it's not ra- having fun? Like, what are we doing? It's a great time.
2: So good. I don't think he's been signed yet this winter, which makes me really well, sad. Well, him and all the other free agents, so. Well, you know, he's just waiting for J.D. Martinez. That's been his agent strategy this entire time. Uh, cool. <laughs> no, I, listen, the power play is a mess. And to me, I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record. And I'm sorry if I'm the only person that keeps doing this. As Mika Zibanejad goes, Ryan, so does that oh, Rangers power play. My God, he, Gregory, the two-on-one with Kreider made me he, scream, buddy. He's fucking lost. I, I haven't seen a player have the yips quite like this since like Ike Davis. It's he, he's he's so in his fucking head, dude. I, I've, it's incredible.
1: He, I think you and I can both agree. We've done this exercise many times. He has the best shot on the team. Mm-hmm. Cool, we agree. His number one ability is to take a shot. He has the hardest shot on the team as well, if you do one of those competitions, whichever. He is notoriously a sniper from the office. He is two-on-one with his best friend, Chris Kreider. The defenseman is shading towards Chris Kreider. He has the opportunity to shoot. He passes to Chris Kreider. It is just... Dude, this is what... At the end of the day, what, Greg, what are you good at? You're really good at rants, right? Like that is that is your fucking thing, man. And like when you tee it up, when, when you have to go to your crutch, when you've got to get through something, you can rant. Mika Sabinejad, your bread and butter is shooting as hard as possible with 85% accuracy. You're not the most accurate shot, but the shot is dangerous. It is a re- it's the reason you're an elite, if you want to call that, NHL player. To pa- he he passes up every single opportunity. He looks like Kako two years ago when Kako lost all of his confidence, except he's Mika fucking Sabina, Chad. And he's like the heartbeat of this team sometimes. It's very confusing.
2: And it's more evident on a night like tonight where the line you and I have been enjoying the most recently is once again the third line. It's just another it rules, dude. It's another game and another example of why I just would not trade for a center, especially at the ludicrous prices they're going for right now. Just, I'm not doing it. That third line's humming. You want to know a big reason why that third line's humming? That's the only line the Rangers have where all three guys understand the assignment is get the puck to the net. Good things will happen if you get the puck to the net. That's The, what... the entire only even strength goal scored tonight was because Capo Kako carried the puck directly to the net and Will Cooley followed it. That's it. It's that simple. And it's if I have to watch any other line, Ryan, I can promise you, Their first instinct is to pass it backwards to hopefully an open ranger who will then have a high danger shot that they should be able to bury. That's a nice play in theory and when you're playing video games, but it's just not winning hockey on a consistent basis. And all I ask for, the thing that makes me angriest is, is when hockey players aren't selfish. But the great thing about Kuli, Brzezinski, and Kako, all three of those motherfuckers are some selfish beasts. And it's actually helping their teammates. Because they are charging the net. They are putting pucks on the net. They are creating good opportunities for each other. And they're smart enough to just follow the fucking shot. And it works. And they're clicking. And it's great. And there's... You know what's great about a two-on-one to me when you have Mika Zibanejad? Buddy, shoot the pass then. He's smart enough with the puck where he can put it off Markstrom's pad. And it should be able to get right hold, to Kreider. Hold on, Greg. You're saying Chris Kreider's good at rebounds? This what? is crazy. <laughs> this is insane. I don't know, dude. It It just... I, I tweeted it out, and I wholeheartedly mean it. Someone should be able to open-hand smack Zibanejad every time he's not taking a shot on goal. I, how many times do I have to do this rant where the I only thing that gets Mika Zibanejad out of the slump is just shooting the puck more?
1: I just think that our next t-shirt is just a spray bottle. <laughs> it's just a spray bottle of Mika's face. Shoot the puck. <laughs> like, just shoot it, bro. Please. We all love you, man. We need you to be good. If this team's going to succeed, we need you to be good. You
2: got to get. You have to do what you do best, which is shoot the puck. It's just, it's so odd to me that he. It's it's all it has to be between the ears, man. It just has to be. He's not playing like himself. This isn't the Mika Zibanejad we have seen. This is more like the Zibanejad that was playing against New Jersey in April and May last year, and it didn't end well for the New York Rangers. In order for the Rangers to be successful, and this is another big reason why I am just putting all my chips and getting a right winger because it's not even like Blake Wheeler had a bad night, but it's good. night from
1: Blake. Yeah, actually,
2: it was a fine night from Blake. But the problem is when Zibanejad is just turtling like this Wheeler ended the game. I think he had five shots on goal at some point late in the third period. I don't know if he got another one between the last time I checked and the end of the game, but it's Blake Wheeler with five shots on goal. I need someone else. If Zibanejad's not going to shoot on that line, I need someone a little bit more deadly than Blake Wheeler to be able to put these net pucks in the net. It, it's just not, it's not going to cut the cheese, man. It's not. Back to the
1: Kako line real quick. One of the reasons I think it's succeeding so well is because usually when Kako's playing with these other, other two lines, he's puck retrieval, right? That's his job. He's go, go to the dirty areas
2: and get that done and try and make a pass out. Hold on. Did you see that when Biniyama had a triple-double tonight with blocks?
1: Yes, I did. Uh, Actually, you know how I found out?
2: Elliot Friedman tweeted it. (laughs) Well, I mean, he couldn't be bothered to do his job and report on Marchstrom again. That would be too much.
1: Well, Friedman tweeted it out. I I actually responded with a picture of you, Urshu Sturkin, because I was just so confused as to why I'm finding out that he has a double, a triple double with blocks from Friedman. I do Um, think they
2: played the Raptors tonight.
1: Oh, that might be why. I think Friedman might actually be there as well. (laughs) That might be part of it. That's, okay. super That's super funny. It's super funny. I would love to have him on the show, in case he was wondering. Mm. Um, Jeff Merrick, eventually, too. You know, he did say he would come on three years ago. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so, sure, why not? Um, I'll message him again. Whatever. Uh, back, so, Kako's not the puck retrieval guy anymore on this line. He, like you said, all three are kind of instructed to go to the net. Brzezinski, I think you, you and I both know, he wants to shoot. Will Cooley, his draft, one of his draft pluses, I guess you could say, was that he has a nasty shot and that Kako is just trying to create as well. So I don't think Kako feels this pressure to to set up these other two veterans that he might have had in the past. Again, this is me doing game theory, but I've seen it happen with him just too often. And he's just, he's not the deferral on the line. I don't think he views them as lesser. I'm not saying that, but he is the most offensively talented. He knows it and he can actually use that to his advantage. It's one of the reasons the line is working so goddamn hard they, and they're skating circles around a lot of the opponents. I know they're I know it's third line on third line a lot of the times and and all that, but it is it is very obviously an advantage for the Rangers over the past 5 games.
2: No, and the fact that it's third line on third line is the exact reason why it's an advantage for the Rangers. Capucko's overqualified. Will Cooley's having a really great season and awesome. I don't care if Johnny Bredzinski is just along for the ride. He's the most effective passenger that's ever existed playing between those two wingers. I love the fact that the Rangers This is why the kid line was so effective in the playoffs. The kid line was going out against bottom six lines and bottom pairing defensemen who were tired from having to work against Jed Kreider, Panarin, Strom, Kopp, whoever the fuck, in the top six, and they, they ate. They gobbled that shit up. That's why they were so good. If the Rangers can find that magic again with this just unholy collection of what the fucks, I think that's beautiful. Keep doing it. But the thing that will make the, the the only thing that's frustrating is it's great that the third line is now putting pucks in the back of the net. That's wonderful. This is, we're not supposed to be winning games on the backs of this. This is why I'm so frustrated with Mika Zibanejad and his recent performance. The big fat nothing you're getting from your top line is a problem and it needs to be fixed. And to me, it's the glaring hole on this Ranger team because you can, wish the Rangers would upgrade from Brzezinski you could wish a different player was down the middle for the Rangers and they are thin if they pick up another injury at center but here's the other thing they're thin at center right now if Mika Zibanejad continues to play like an empty suit they need to fix him first if you don't fix Mika Zibanejad it doesn't fucking matter what's going on on your third line it's irrelevant you're not going anywhere
1: I think that's I think that's it I think we covered it all.
2: Well, no, we did uh, at the begin- at, oh, at the end nine. of this podcast. We said, I'm sure we talked about Adam Edstrom, Matt Rempe oh. at the beginning of the show.
1: Oh, okay, Rempe did get a, a rookie
2: lap despite mm-hmm. not playing, which I thought was weird. Uh, good for him, question mark? Well, it's the first time he's on the... You get the rookie lap the first time you're on the ice. You I don't have to playing. be in the lineup to do it. Okay. Um, and Edstrom, uh, honestly, I didn't notice him too often. Just be honest. I didn't. But you know what, Ryan? You're not supposed to notice the fourth line too much. Oh, I noticed Jimmy VC again. <laughs> He's so good. He's been amazing.
1: He's so freaking. Imagine good. how
2: much money you could be making if you had an agent like a real agent, and not whatever the fuck he does have. You know
1: what? I'm just happy he stayed in New York. I'm just gonna go and say <laughs> that. Like he, maybe he could have made like 1.3 million instead of 800k. I know Here, that's I know
2: 500k a, is a big difference, dude. I, oh, here's, God. here's a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. If I told you, without telling you exactly what each player was making, that the combination of Barclay Goodrow and Jimmy VC would be making in the neighborhood of four point two million dollars a year, would you be that pissed? Or would no. you be like, Yeah, that kind of makes sense, two two million dollar players.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Just saying. Bar- Barclay Goodrow, everybody. <laughs> uh I think that's kind of the whole game. But yeah, Panera, I don't actually don't know why Panarin fought, do you?
2: He just punched um, the dude. I mean, he took a pretty big hit in the corner before that, and I don't think he liked it very much. I get that.
1: And then Goodrow uh, was a little bit of a pest, and then the fighting be- began and continued. But mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, yeah, a little chippy. A little chippy. Yeah, I mean, these two teams... They hate each other whenever they play each other. It's very strange.
2: Well, I mean, you have to remember last year when Jacob Truba sent the life force uh, out of Godre's body. Yeah. Um, and they played a really intense game earlier this year. Flames play intense games. Flames fans, uh, see, I love Flames fans, man. The, because the booing Adam Fox is—it's awesome. amazing. It's so good. So good. <laughs> it's so good. I, I <laughs> trust me, as a man who has that hate in his heart for a human being, I get it and I understand it, and I hope it never changes. Uh, it's the exact reason why I will always take Calgary fans seriously, and will continue to know the truth that Hurricanes fans don't exist
1: uh that's it let's go to our interview with Shayna goldman and then we'll come back and answer some five-star questions and we'll see you guys there before we're at ah, now we're from our sponsors transition okay guys stick with me i'm going to talk about tick pick for a moment and actually we're doing a meetup in philadelphia for an afternoon game on february 24th with tick pick they're the sponsor. They're also the ticketing sponsor of this podcast all year long. So if you want to go to a Rangers Game, you want to go to WrestleMania like me or any other event, you can use the tick-pick app. Recently, it was telling me how many tickets are left, what tickets have average priced, are they have gone up? Have they gone down? It shows me the best deals. You can sort by many different filters, and the best part, no fees. That's right. The price you see is the price you get. Unlike other ticketing apps, you just check out, that's the exact same price. TickPick has no fees, and if you want to use promo code BLUESHIRTS on checkout, any order over $99, you get $15 off. Any account could use it. So go ahead, use BLUESHIRTS15, Get use the promo code, come join us in Philadelphia for the afternoon game, go to WrestleMania, whatever else it is, but make sure you use TickPick, and tell them we sent you by using our code BLUESHIRTS15, and we'll see you at the game then.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: Hey, we're back with our first guest today. We have our dear friend Shayna Goldman of The Athletic. Shayna, how are you?
0: Good. I'm great now that I'm here.
1: Oh, that's so nice yeah. to hear. <laughs> you haven't slapped any pucks into any empty nets recently, right? I'm just looking out for you.
0: I mean, I don't want to get punched in the face. I didn't know that you, you know, these unwritten rules. I, I swear I'm going to need like a book on them soon. Shayna,
1: in the face? You mean in the back of the head when you're not looking? <laughs> Is that what you mean?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, see, personally, I feel like if I knew that Ryan Reeves is on the bench, I would never mm. dare do such a thing because I might get my ass handed to me to the point where I can't get up off the ice. Apparently,
1: <laughs> well, he, <laughs> just... if he was on the bench, oh, he was.
0: He was on the bench, oh, and uh, did you see his quotes today? It's this whole entire thing I love because it's like, first of all, you didn't need to be in the situation. You were down four three. You were losing the game in regulation once again. So, like, we're detracting from the fact that they're now in a wild card seed with 60 points tied with Detroit and I know they have games in hand but it's like can we talk about that (laughs) instead of this chaos and what Ryan Reeves would have done when he came into the league in 2010
2: I mean it's just it's so funny to me it's like so what is he not supposed to do is he not supposed to score an empty net goal period is that disrespectful to the game I just who cares
0: who cares literally who cares and also if it got under your skin that's what he was trying to do like I feel like Riley Gregg was getting under Morgan Riley's skin the entire day do you do you want him to to not do that like it's it's so this response it couldn't happen to a better team this entire thing is so good for all of us like I love it so much because if Morgan Riley didn't do it then it's he's soft and oh my god everyone could walk all over the Leafs and then if he does do it you have this immediately I went on Twitter to see the reactions like you gotta get Reeves on the ice and things like that like the chaos of it and people being like, I didn't know Riley had it in him. It, it's just, it's so good. Like, please keep going every game. This is what we need.
1: Uh, I just yeah. don't think you should assault people. <laughs> it's my, it's my <laughs> big takeaway. Like I wouldn't mind if he skated over and was like, Hey, you're an asshole for that. We have yeah. to fight. We have to fight. Uh, that's fine. The quick behind shoulder the Shoulder check. Hitting.
0: Maybe, you know, like, 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 like hit him. You don't have to cross check him. You don't have to do something. in the moment you're not thinking, think about it, like you're not thinking, Oh, what suspension am I going to get? But not for nothing. Like you're an important player. They don't have you and they need goal support and you're not there. And it might be for upwards of five games. Like that's more important than anything else when you're battling for a playoff spot, but like check them into the boards quick. Like be like, Hey asshole. And just shoulder check them square into the boards and and be pissed and get tossed out of the game. And that's it. Like that, that would be my move. I would think.
2: I just, I love empty net situations. They, We root like fiends for a goalie, specifically Igor Shosturkin, to pot an empty net goal. But Riley Greig hits a slapper, or Ridley Greig hits a slapper, into an empty net, and that's the line. So one farce is funny, the other farce is a step too far. I just want consistency. That's all I want.
0: We're never going to get that. It's the NHL. We're not going to (laughs) get consistency in any... Any which way. And I get it. There's like the context of every situation and you're, it's just crap. Like, you know, what if he, what if he went for the wrist shot and he happened to miss the net or didn't reach? Like he just wanted to hammer it home and cement that win in place. Like, what if, what if there was a purpose to it other than being an asshole? Like, did anyone, why aren't we thinking about that? What about the trajectory of each different shot type you could have taken there?
1: My only wish is what they were actually in Toronto. That's my only wish. Unfortunately, they weren't. Then
0: so. this shit could have gotten thrown on the ice, and then we could have a thousand takes on why you can or can't do that, and why it's okay in certain situations and not in others, and why it's dangerous to throw beers, and then there's discourse on that for a week.
1: Love the NHL. Um, a lot has happened in Rangerland since we last spoke. They were as hot as hot could be for a very long time, and then decided, hmm, January, not sure we could play hockey anymore. That's weird took a break won the last game before the break thank the lord because if they didn't who knows what would have happened uh and have won three straight since two in very convincing fashion one in overtime that was rather pathetic but they still did it against the chicago blackhawks and now all of a sudden the power play lines have changed uh in a way that is very confusing power play one being fox wheeler brozinski Zabana, a and Kreider. that's right you heard that correctly wheeler and brozinski on power play one and power play two Gustafson, and panarin trochek laugh and kako uh vince percoliano said this a more balanced approach you may say What is sticking out to you there, uh, Shayna?
0: It's balanced. It's something I look, I mean, look, they have to do something, right? The power play, they need to be clicking. And if you get the power play clicking, a lot of people say that's how you get your confidence going, especially like in the second half of the season, down the stretch into the playoffs. If your power play is going when you get the calls, which you don't know when you'll get them you know, it, it has a good impact on your op- on your offense at even strength because you're going to be more confident. And I completely get that. And if you can get guys going like Kreider and Zibanejad specifically on the power play, it's going to bode well for them at even strength in theory, or at least, you know, you can count on them for something, however you want to put it right. Um, So you have to you have to make some adjustments because we looked at them at the beginning of the year and they were clicking on all cylinders. And we were even saying they could score more, right? They They have this high expected goal rate and they could even keep going further we know they have the finishing talent but the thing with power plays is it's something that is a little bit easier to scout it it's x number of minutes per game it's really one unit you're focusing on because the top unit tends to play you know 70 percent of the ice time that you can try to track them and figure out who to cheat towards and and everything like that And some units that doesn't matter you can try scouting them every day of the week and they have so much creativity and so much star power that they'll overcome it every single time and just keep you guessing. But like we all know the Rangers have a fairly predictable power play, even though this year it's been a little different with Panarin shooting the puck more on the right side, which we kind of expect him to be fully in a passing capacity from there. Um, so if you can do anything else to mix up that predictability, it's a good thing. Is this particular adjustment a good thing? No, I would say no. I would argue there are other things to try versus this. But I I think this is, temporary at best
2: yeah this is one of those situations we talk about all the time where I get it's in a rut right now but we know the OG power play one works so why don't you take the time to try something else just to see if you stumble into something else that could also work and that you might need to lean on if someone has to leave this lineup due to injury
0: yeah right have it up your sleeve and you know you could say well why not just take one player off the unit right like the easy target everyone would say would be Trocheck, right you want to keep Panarin Zibanejad Kreider and Fox there but there's reasons why they keep them there you know to have that second person who can take face-offs or to have someone to take the face-off so Zibanejad can shift quickly to the right uh to the left circle like there's reasons for it so I get it this I don't get as much but it goes into the bigger problem on the Rangers right if we're saying why are Johnny Brzezinski and Blake Wheeler getting power play one opportunities it's like why isn't there someone else because we I think we all know who the player would have been to step up if they had to make one swap it would probably be like a Philip he's one a center two really good at creating shots and scoring chances so and with Lafreniere and and Kako it's like why aren't you finishing your chances do you really want to put them on the power play right now on the top unit like there's arguments there so it kind of speaks to the fact that they need another score or two to really take them up a notch. And that applies here too. If they had someone they could easily swap in to shake things up while keeping like the core four on there. I think it's a totally different conversation.
1: Can we stick on Brodzinski just for a minute? We've been a pretty pro Brodzinski podcast. I can't, I think I said earlier last week on OT, if I told you at this point of the season, Brodzinski's our three C, I would say we were out of the playoff race and everything's burning on fire. Uh, And now he's number on our first power play, whatever I think they're going to split time, whatever you want to call it. It's just a label. I think he still might be the answer at 3C for this season. Do you see the Rangers trading for anybody in that spot? I know, look, look, we've talked about Henrik, we've talked about all these trade targets forever. I just think Brodzinski might actually be good enough to be the 3C in the playoff run.
0: If he is, then you're acquiring a winger to play with him, I think. I think no matter what, you need more scoring pop on that third line. Any way you shake it, like you have to find it. I don't think it would hurt to find someone who could play center, though, because As the Rangers know, you could be one injury away from having a problem. You don't want to put someone more defensive up in that role and then suck the life out of that line again. So if you're bringing in a third-line winger, it better be someone super reliable who you know can push the pace there because even if you say you want to keep Kako on the third line, like I still think Brzezinski-Kako, it would have to be plus, right? Like That just doesn't work in the way I think they would need it to. So you can probably get away without going for that center. And maybe if they want to get two players, they feel that they have to lower their costs, especially if it's true that they want to keep their first-round pick this year. Like, you know, there's a couple elements at play there. And the price of centers right now might be a little bit ridiculous. We saw how much Monahan just went for. Um, and the market is quickly shrinking. Maybe if they can't get a center and he can fill that role, it'll end up helping them in the long run. And then they can just focus on adding a right wing or two to have, you know, a more balanced lineup. Sure. That could work for them. Why not? It's, but I think ideally you, you do look for someone who can play both.
2: I still think, I, I I think we're continuing to address the wrong problem. I understand the mindset of needing to get more offense out of a third line, especially if you're sticking with Brodzinski and you're pairing him or essentially trying to pair him with some combination of Cooley, Kako and Wheeler the rest of the way. To me, I would like there to be more scoring down the lineup Problem number one with a bullet is scoring with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, because they're yeah. not. So I I I hear what you're saying where, okay, if you're sticking with Rodzinski, maybe you want to upgrade a scoring we're going to play with him. My first and foremost problem is Mika Zibanejad, my number one center, the guy I rely to create 5v5 scoring opportunities for my team, he is not. So I still think, to me, priority number one is, how do I fix Mika? And while I wish the answer was something as simple as the metrics with Kapokako playing with Mika Zibanejad are always good, they score more than they give up, that's nice. It's clear that Mika's not comfortable with it, so I need to go out and get someone that will unleash Mika Zibanejad, because if he's skidding come playoff time, it doesn't matter what my third line looks like. We're not going very far.
0: Yep. No, you're 100% right. And also, if you're getting someone to play with Zibanejad, you're moving Wheeler down. To a more appropriate role on the third line. And maybe Kako Wheeler and someone else, like maybe you can find something that works there. So you're, I think you're completely right. The number one priority has to be having two scoring lines. They have one right now. So Panarin's going to get, if, if you're an opponent right now, you know you're matching your top defenders against that Panarin line every day of the week. Now you have a question if you're the Rangers, what's your usage for his advantage at? And we saw against the Avalanche a good example of this when the Barkley Godreau line was struggling a lot against the Nathan McKinnon matchup, shocker. You know, they shifted Zabanajad to that role. And that's the role that he's been accustomed to in the playoffs, right? We look at the matchups against, you know, Sidney Crosby, Brian Rust, and Jake Gensel. It was Kreider and Zabanajad out there every day of the week against them, as they should be, because they can shift from defense to offense. If you don't have him scoring, maybe you feel more comfortable with him in a shutdown role, right? And go, it's fine, he can only play defense. That's not good enough. Or you say, we can't put him in that defensive role because his offense is already like squashed as it is. Why do something to make it worse? That's also a problem if your fourth line is just going to eat shit against top competition. So you definitely need to find someone, ideally someone who can play either way, right? If you look at it and say, maybe, an, you know, a Barabanov is the answer, you know, a really good utility forward. You can do a little bit of everything could be what takes them to the next level. Maybe that's the answer. And then you can keep exposing them to all situation minutes. Maybe it's as simple as adding another scoring threat across the way as like a, a Jordan Eberle, someone who's really good offensively, especially if you pair him with a good passer, which Sabanajad is, even if Sabanajad's not the goal scorer himself, but you have crafty passes from him and from Kreider. It's like an underrated part of his game. Maybe it makes for a really dimensional line, like there are options out there. So you just kind of have to decide what capacity you want that line to be in and what's going to be the most like versatile look at them because you know. They're the line that you're going to test. You're never going to throw Panarin and Trocheck out against top competition and say, okay, shut them down. You're going to want them in the most favorable matchup possible. You know, who makes them more versatile? Who makes them take their game to the next level? There are definitely some good options out there on the winger market. Even like a Warren Fogle might be interesting if, you know, the Oilers have to move him to save some cap. Like he has some intrigue. There's this guy, I don't know if we've ever heard of him. Um, Pavel if he's on the hmm. market, do you look at him? Because that's someone who's a great two way forward. And then you add another penalty killer to, to your arsenal. Like why not have that? The options I think are definitely there. They just have to find the right one and kind of decide what they've used of being in the second half of the season.
1: Does this, you mentioned in the third line, that's where Wheeler goes. Where does Kako fit in this? It's sort of my, my end up end-all, question. I saw Money Puck's top 20 lines for the season today in terms of, like, possession and all that. And uh, Mika, Kako, and Kreider are number seven still. Look, it's, small, it's not actually a small sample size, but they haven't played together in a, quite a while. Turns out they, they hold the puck, but they can't actually score together. They don't also let up goals. But that would leave, if Kako's not on the first line and he's not on the third line, uh, does that mean we're putting him on the fourth? Where, where do you see him fit on this team?
0: I still think he'd be on the third line. Someone's got to switch their offside then, whether it's him or Wheeler. Like, I think that you have to find a middle ground with that then. And maybe then you say you <laughs> can find a three C to fit between them. And then you have a scoring line that you can kind of shelter a little bit. Like you have to find a way to make it work unless they view him as the trade piece to bring someone back. But then if you're using him, it can't just be a rental. Like you have to be looking for some long-term piece, ideally, even if it's a, A young player uh, their own reclamation project right and it's a swap of like two young forwards but uh, i mean i think that the potential is there i don't think it would be a bad thing to have him in the playoffs because they know like that's another option they know they could throw him up on that line if they need to shake things up they know that especially if they have to shut down opponents and they're going to banajet has to be the one out against top competition like to have him there in that capacity wouldn't be a bad thing either and then maybe you can figure out a third line that you know, like the kid line last year that you can shelter and put out for extra offense. Um, I I, I definitely think that there's room for him versus a Wheeler in the lineup. And I I like Blake Wheeler. I think that, you know, he's clicked more than he did in that last year in Winnipeg. He can be secondary scoring, but he has obvious flaws to his game and he's not that long-term piece. So I think you have to be like realistic about it. But the other thing of it too is, even say if Kaka were the one to stay on the third line and Wheeler got bumped to the fourth line, if the fourth line's not taking on matchup minutes because of is like, maybe that works for you. Maybe then he's, you know, like I, I think we have to break out of that traditional view of a lineup, what it should be, what it could be like, and just figure out what works best for this team, because they might feel that, you know, they don't need to have his defensive of a third line anymore uh, as of a fourth line anymore. If that first line's going to be taking that role on anyway. Um, but it would just be good to have scoring threats on all four lines at the end of the day no matter what
1: yeah a would... special okay greg just one second i'm sorry yeah. there's a special place in hell for we made lafredia go to the right and then we asked kako to go to the left there <laughs> <they're> <laughs> really
0: there really is that's why like i for me i'm I'm looking at it going like you can i don't know if he's the one you shipped i think it's you have to figure it out but like what if that's what opens up his game like you never know like you know it, it, they were so Think of the years of Bucinavich, right? He can't play the left. He's terrible on the left. Then he would get like a minute here or there. And then he goes to St. Louis and he plays the left whenever they need him to. He played center because they needed him to. Like, If you can work with a player, and maybe that's something that really does depend on obviously every player, the willingness to do it, the adaptability of a player, but the skills coaches as well. Like, Can you work with a player to shift them? Can you make the game a little bit more positionless? Like I, I don't know what the answer is for that, honestly, in this case. It would be something if Kako shifted to the left and Levnier left surviving on the ray. Right, like who's to say? Like that would not be what anyone could have expected ever.
2: Yeah. Listen, uh nobody needs me to go on my rant about how people who play left field can play right field, no problem. I don't understand why skaters can't play left and white right wing when they're not really staying in a tunnel the entire time they're on the ice. And anyway, whatever. Uh I've moved to this opinion of where I'm tired of Kako discourse because good teams don't look at it as who's first line, who's second line, who's third line. They simply ask the question, who are my 12 best forwards? And then they try to just let it all play out as the game goes along. And I think we as Ranger fans just need to accept the fact that Kapo Kako is one of the 12 best forwards that the Rangers could play. He can play a variety of roles. He, has, he still has untapped potential in terms of what he can do on a penalty kill. He's still scratching the surface on what he can do on a power play and stop worrying about whether he's lining up on a third line or fourth line because minutes alternate on any given night. He's going to be in the lineup. He's going to be effective when he plays. He can move up and down the lineup. Why do we have to assign any more criteria to that? Why can't we just be happy with that?
0: Because we can't be happy about anything. This is hockey. We have to (laughs) nitpick every single detail of it. Like, come on, like that's never going to happen. I mean, I think that they should just be looking to maximize everyone as much as possible, right? Like, I know that sounds simple, and it's like, of course they are, you idiot. But it's true. Like, you have to look at the fundamentals of, like, what a player can do and who they're going to fit with best. And what capacity it's going to help the team win. Kako definitely is not just a top 12 forward on this team. He's a top 9 forward on this team. Um, And injuries have obviously lowered what that top 9 looks like. And... The third line without Hedel, I don't think we're seeing Kako to his full capacity. We're seeing a lot of offensive numbers drop off for him below the surface, too. And, you know, part of it is like when he's on the third line, at least last year, you knew he was going to be in a capacity that he could pick up the pace there because he had Hedel with him. It, it's a much different looking third line this year. It's a much different looking everything without Hedel. And you don't want it out, oh, one player is going to make or break everything because that's not the case. If the first, first line was clicking, then You know, we'd be looking at how do you fix the bottom six? Now, how do you fix the whole top nine? How do you fix the whole top 12? You know, there's numerous things at play here. It just feels like it feels like the team got kind of complacent, you know, and that's kind of where it all kind of crashed and burned for them. And it can happen. And it's happening on a grander scale because it was since, you know, their winning kind of dried up and they had that rough January. But even in games like against Chicago and against the Sharks and against bad teams, I think that there's something to be said about pretty much every line besides Panarin's right now. So there's work to be done. There's definitely work to be done. And it's on an individual level with Kako. Does he need to raise the bar? Yes. But, you know, how can you figure out everyone in positions to succeed with this roster? And who can you find that you stop having that conversation as much? You know what I mean? Like if if it's not 10 different forwards, you're having the conversation with, well, how can they be in a better position? And what does this one need? Like, there's so many things I feel like I play for this team to, to get to where they need to be and to get to where they were when the season started.
1: What's absolutely crazy is that I think this team looks, I'll be nice, very bad <laughs> <laughs> at times. And uh, they still sit third in the East in points. I What I don't understand is they show up to a lot of these games. And you saw this in the Chicago game where they just got complacent. And in the third period, they were ready to go home and get on a plane and leave. And yet, we kind of saw this last season, too, where they were where they were kind of, you, you saw it. We just want to get to the playoffs, and then we'll bring out really who we are. And they did for the first two games. And then after that, they did not. Is, is this a coaching issue? Is it a core issue? light, obviously, a new coach things have gone well so far we hit our first bumps in the road i don't think anybody's really criticizing him of yet the core is there they're getting older but it does seem like they just lack the motivation at times
0: yeah and it's hard it's hard to pinpoint what the issue is i mean it could be a mental thing subconsciously like if you're playing the avalanche you have to play a full 60 minutes especially because we've seen the avalanche go down 3 nothing, and have these dramatic comeback wins, you know, and versus the Blackhawks, everybody knows they're the worst team in the league and you don't even have Connor Bedard to worry about it. It's 10 times easier to take them out. Um, I think that's something probably every player in this league faces, right? As much as everyone can say, well, we take it shift by shift, I'm sure your engagement level is different depending on the type of game it is. The onus is on the coaches to try to manage that. And I'm not saying that Laviolette is or isn't. We don't know. We're not in the locker room. We don't know. We don't know what the coaches are doing, what adjustments they're making. But it's definitely a problem, and it's not just one for the Rangers. You can look at other teams, top teams to start the season who have had their struggles. You can look at the Maple Leafs, of course, because it always is the Maple Leafs. You can look at a team like the Kings, right, and how their defensive game completely trailed off after not just a good start, but like a legitimately great start in every which way like that happens it's all about managing that the more you can manage that the better you're going to be and it's going to be interesting because we see teams like the Jets went through it with their little uh losing streak there we saw we're seeing it with the Avalanche right now we've seen it with them before but they're one of the better teams at being adaptable and having so many options that they know how to navigate their way out of it falling into this I don't think is a big deal if you fall into a bad streak it's not the worst thing in the world if if you if it happens one at the right time and you have the advantage the Rangers do of the entire division around you being such a shitstorm. But on the other hand, it's how long does it last and how do you get out of it? Do you get out of it at the right time? It's a long season to get through. You're gonna have rough stretches. What what tangible things can you figure out to fix that this isn't a problem? Again, if you fall into a bad pattern in April, is it gonna be a three game thing and you know how to get back out of it? Or is this gonna be what tanks you in the playoffs? So it's kind of like a little bit of, I don't want to be as dramatic to be like, it's a make or break part of the season. It's not because they have that standings lead, but it's an important time. Like they haven't fully figured out how to get through it. So you had the all-star break. You had a minute to refresh. Now you're starting to collect wins again. How do you avoid getting complacent? And how do you find ways to keep improving along the way with the roster that you have? And then you can get reinforcements. You know, the reinforcements aren't the end all be all, and they shouldn't be looked at as such. Here's the roster you have, make the best of it. And then when you get more players in, now you have another dimension. Now you have more versatility. Now you have more options. Now get better as a result.
2: It seemed there for a minute that the plug on the trade market was uncorked and that we were going to get moves a little bit earlier this season. People weren't going to wait until the end of the month to do their business. Yada, yada. And now it seems like the cork is firmly back in. Is this a problem of we have too many... Teams in the middle being mediocre, or is this just the market playing out as it normally does?
0: A little bit of both. And it was nice last year that we had it, that it was that scattering of trades. And I won't be surprised if that continues. You're gonna have teams coming back from their bye weeks now, so we'll see where things go from there. Um obviously certain things are gonna be held up by certain players, like the defense market. We know is gonna get held up by like the likes of Hannifin and Tanev, and that's gonna be really interesting because you're gonna see Whether the Flames are pushing for, like, a team to extend them so they can try to, you know, juice for a better return, even though that rarely happens. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if a team like the Flyers responds by saying, we're not going to move on from Sean Walker until we see those players go. And, you know, the ask for him goes up because he's cheap and good or and and things like that. You know, does Adam Henrique go or is now are the Ducks going to wait for the highest bidder because he's the top center left on the market? Like, we don't know. but. To a point, some of it does have to do with how many teams are in the middle. Like if the Flames suddenly decided not to sell, that's going to be a big deal. I don't think that'll happen, but it does. It matters with someone like Jake Gensel. It it definitely does, right? It matters if a team like the Senators can find their way. What do they do? I still think some players like a Tarasenko are going to be on the market, but do they wait on someone like Chikrin? Do they join the mix and say, well, we could get Tana for more than just this year? Like, There's so many different factors that are going to affect the trade market. I don't think it's going to be a full stoppage till the deadline low. I think we're gonna see deals trickle through. And that's for the best, right? Because you're getting more bang for your buck if you make a trade sooner. If you can get eight more games of a player and you just spent a first round pick on them, that's a good thing. One, it's gonna better your chances and hopefully you're gonna build a better lead with it, you know, in theory. Second, more games, like you just paid for more. And third, it gives your that player a more of a chance to adjust and more of you to learn what this team looks like around that edition. And it can even be a get the player and decide do you need more it's kind of similar like the rangers got tarasenko ahead of time they got had a minute to assess their roster before making any further moves that's the best thing you can do i think so we'll see really like you know who's to say who moves what but it's going to be interesting i feel like a team like the ducks i feel like they're is going to wait with his players till the end to try to raise the value um so it's, it's really on some of those teams in the middle you know a team like seattle's in the middle right now and you see teams like the Kings struggling and if the flames get out of it they have a good chance maybe they're not sellers at all and they're a team that can afford to be that they have assets they have the big picture already that they don't they don't need to sell like a team like the flames needs to sell to push this process along maybe anyone from the kraken actually is up for grabs like it's going to change things a bit
1: i do want to go around the metro just very quickly we don't have to stay too long but looking at the penguins records right now they'll only have 49 games played so they at least played in the metro but they only have 53 points as well you mentioned Jake Gensel. I don't see a way, almost any way, where the Penguins sell. And yet, I also don't really see a way where they make the playoffs. The Devils are above them. I think the Devils have a pretty good shot of still making a run here. There's a lot of talent, despite all their goaltender, goaltender issues. The Flyers continue to somehow find ways to win. They've won three in a row here and have a good lead in the third, uh, third, sp- third place spot. And then you go over to the Atlantic real quick. We just talked about it. Like, Somehow the Red Wings and Maple Leafs are tied at 60 points. And I don't see the Lightning Panthers or Bruins really falling out of playoff spots either. It's kind of the Metro is going to have three playoff spots and the Penguins are looking on the outside. And yet I just don't think City Cross is going to allow them to make any big trades.
0: No, and I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Um, Unless by deadline day, you're looking at it like we are X number of points out. It is physically impossible for us to make the playoffs at this point because we have separated ourselves and the other teams have done so well. You know, Toronto and Detroit and New Jersey start absolutely crushing it and you're Pittsburgh and you're floundering. Maybe that, you know, stops what you can do. And maybe you do have to think, okay, load up for next year. But their core is right now. You have Crosby, you have Malkin, Letang, Carlson. You invested a lot in that. And, you know, some people just look at it and point to figure at Kyle Dubis because of who he is. But, like, any general manager would be in this position right now. Because of the pressure, you have one more year of Sidney Crosby guaranteed. And after that, you have to figure out what to do if he wants to keep playing. And he's playing at such an incredible level right now. You have to try to maximize that, right? Like, if you're going to say that about the Canucks, look at, you know, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko. They're all doing it at once. Like, you have Sidney Crosby doing it at 36 years old and he's killing it. You have to make something of that. I just don't see him selling. I really don't. They'd have to be so desperate, I think, and so far out of it, you know, in a couple weeks to make that decision because you have to give yourself a chance to win every year. You have Sidney Crosby, otherwise it's just I don't see a retool, or even a quick one, being the answer.
2: Take a take a swing, Shayna. Who's the biggest name you see traded this year? Doesn't have to be to the Rangers. Just a name we're not talking enough about.
0: Jacob Markstrom. He is he is the wild card of the deadline for me, and like this is something I'm going to look at later this week you know, who are the biggest wild cards of the deadline. To me, it's him because the goalie market, I think we've all been waiting on the entire year because so many goalies have forgotten how to play hockey this year or just aren't that good, or maybe they were overrated in the first place. There are so many teams that need a goalie, but teams are obviously hesitant to make a move. And it's really tricky too, right? A, a goalie takes way more time to adjust than a forward. They have to learn the team's systems in front of them. And there's a new goalie coach. There's a little bit of everything. If the Flames are willing to move him, And I think he is the piece to move if you're Calgary, because you're going to get a haul back for him. And I don't think, I don't think they're in a position to say, well, we might be good next year. Like, I don't think you're going to be. I think that you have to be honest about where you're going to be in those next couple years of Markstrom's contracts. He is the big name player that if he moves to a team like New Jersey, it's kind of like, okay, now what? You know, like, what happens then? Does anyone else go for a goalie? Does Jake Allen get moved? Does. John Gibson if he can be healthy get moved like there's does a Coral Vamalka get moved because he hasn't been very good in Arizona does the team look for him to be a backup or a 1B like there are definitely goalies that can be out there but if he moves I think it changes the entire look of the goalie market
1: and we're all convinced the Devils would be the team to make that trade correct
0: yeah
1: okay we're
2: all on the same page Greg
1: any other questions for our dear friend here
2: yeah, you win any more awards since we last talked oh, to you? Oh yeah, hot <laughs> of the year, whatever, Preach. Shana. Sorry, Jesus.
0: I didn't win. You're well, nominated. Just, yeah, I'd like. Yeah, to you're, win. you're
2: you're a finalist for the heart. We get it. You don't you don't want to take the credit yet.
0: Yeah, you know you never know how the votes are going to go.
2: Have you been uh, Have you been politicking? Have you been campaigning?
0: I haven't. I'm just, you know, I'm just here to do my job. I write my column every week, try to help everyone have the best fantasy team possible. And if someone wants to give me a trophy for it, I'm, I'm going to take it. Like <laughs> I, I, I want to be like Kenny Omega, my belt collector era. Like I want them all. At first I wanted to be gracious. Like, cool. It was so cool to get one. Never thought that was going to happen. Then I got two and now I'm greedy. Like I'm like, all right, let's go.
1: Shayna, congratulations. You can continue to win. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Shayna. Hey, we're back. Thanks for Shayna for joining the show. Like she does, I don't know, way too often because we invite her because we have <laughs> nobody else. No one likes us. So very cool. Uh, five star questions. That's right. You can leave a five star question on the show. You go to our Patreon.com slash Download the Discord and go on the uh, five star question channel and we'll read them on the show.
2: Ready, yeah, Rick? Yeah. Before the, we, we get into five star questions, since mm. you brought up Patreon I think this is an important moment for me to tell people that you are leaving money on the table by not subscribing to our $10 tier where you get advice from guys like me (laughs) to tell you to do nothing but throw money at Jawan Jennings, all his props in the Super Bowl. Ryan, I cleaned up. If you listen to that episode, you'd be rich right now. And you know how I know this? You know the anonymous person that's behind the BSB no context account? who's that yeah i, I okay. don't know i don't know who it is they sent me a dm they made over a thousand dollars on the super bowl because they listened to the episode are you kidding me i'm not kidding you. <laughs> that's insane yeah All right. so um, i say smart things on podcasts that are readily available for you you're already giving us five what's another five guys what's I hate, another
1: five i hate greg and he's been right a lot recently it's really <laughs> fucking annoying
2: um it's really yeah. annoying wait until the slump buster draft note podcast drops are we doing that? Is that a thing? Oh, you're not doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> you're doing it with other
1: people? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Let's uh let's answer these five-star questions. Oh, right. farts. You okay. can only pick one. What's the first half of season issue you would confidently choose to be resolved that would give the team the best chance of contending? Defenseman tightening up? Lafayette finally breaks through? I feel like he's kind of done that. Uh, elite Mika or Kako finds a home? No Igor choice because obviously.
2: Uh, it's Elite Mika.
1: It's not close, actually. Yeah. It's like, it's Elite Mika gap. defensive Defense tightens up. Uh, Kako finds a home. Mega gapped. Laffy finally breaks through. Like, he's been really good. He's been awesome.
2: Yeah, your defense plays better when you're scoring more, too. It, it's a simple concept there. <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: Uh, this is from Excited Hill. What would we as a community need to do to convince MSG to have Clyde call a game with Sam? This will never happen. I would give anything to hear how Fox was wheeling and dealing on the power player. How Mika was slapping and clapping. Uh, I love this question. There's a zero percent chance,
2: but here's the thing. I wouldn't want Clyde with Sam. I would just want Mike Breen and Clyde to do a Ranger game. Yeah. Let's and I would just switch. want Sam and Joe McElhinney to do a Nick game.
1: I, I would like, I would like bizarro
2: night where they just yeah. switch.
1: That'd be you know, sick.
2: You know how, you know how hard that adrenaline rush will hit your veins when O.J. Ananobi goes in for a slam and Joe Micheletti goes, Sam, you'll see it right, right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sam, we've been talking about O.J. Ananobi. Oh, he's a wonderful player. <laughs> and, and you you have the chance. Listen, this is a man, a broadcaster who worked an Olin Ryan into a baseball broadcast. Oh, he God. might call someone Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and I will ascend it to a higher plane.
1: Yeah, the switch needs to happen. I'll pitch it to MSG. They'll, they'll yeah. love
2: listening to me. Oh, they, from, they, yeah, we're big fans.
1: Uh, this is from Todd to Seamus. With the center market deteriorating, we know Drury has his work cut out for him at the deadline, but how much competition with the other actual contenders in the East will there be?
2: For a center? Yeah. See, the, the tricky thing here, once again, is there are so many wingers available that the Rangers should just be shopping in the different store. They, they went to Walmart to look for something they should be picking up at Home Depot.
1: I think it's worth noting that Vince wrote in his article last week that the New York Rangers feel that they, they don't want to shop in the discount aisle for premium prices. And I think that's exactly what you've been saying here for months, Greg. You know, Ryan, I know like, I, you said it before. I hate to, <laughs> I hate to agree with you. I really fucking do. Um, this is a wrestling question. You want to leave it for later? No, do it now. Why not? Is the rock the biggest heel in wrestling today?
2: Yes. Yes. It's not close. Yeah. And it was, I appreciate him actually taking the turn into it too. Yes. which and is I, why people should have calmed the fuck down. After that SmackDown, because these things have a way to work themselves out.
1: He's clearly wasn't ready to be a heel. And then he was like, oh, shit, I am one. I'm going to get all the heat possible. Yeah. Uh, and he did. And it's awesome. So WrestleMania is looking like it's it's shaping up to be pretty good this year.
2: Yeah. And now you have the opportunity here where night one, it's Cody Reigns and night two, it's Cody Rock.
1: Or it's uh, I think they're going to work Seth into this, by the way. There's a, there's a rumor a tag match night one.
2: Mm. Pretty so it'll
1: be Seth and Cody together.
2: Interesting. I don't know about that.
1: I'm not sure. I see it, but it's been like a lot of people are talking about it. Anyway, I'm obsessed right now. So this is uh, from Viva La Pudge. So after that performance, what is it going to take for Greg to say something nice about Jonathan Quick? This was after uh, the second. I
2: yeah, I don't. What's it, what's it going to take? I don't know. Did the Niners win the Super Bowl? No, <laughs> no, they didn't. So we wait another day. Half Time Show was good. I don't care what anybody
1: says. My yeah, I
2: think you no. Know, the our friends who think they're so fucking holier than thou with their fucking it was a great. Like, it was I wonderful.
1: I wasn't. I wasn't thinking like, oh my god, I'm mind blown. But I was. I was entertained, and that's all I fucking asked
2: for. It was. Great. He was on roller skates, Ryan. Yeah, I know. And uh, Luna the, came out. The the cinematography was excellent. Oh, excellent. and Alicia Keys can eat.
1: Oh, sheesh! God damn! Sheesh! Holy holy. Uh, uh, yeah, what is happening? This is from uh my dog farts. Good transition. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we do have another first round exit this year, which members of the court do you see potentially being moved?
0: I'm not sure Ca- anybody.
1: Kako. Kako's uh, for sure are being
2: moved. Lindgren. Do you think Kreider's even a possibility? I no. don't think so. I don't think no. so at all. True as well, he's not going anywhere. No, it's just the the guys that are easiest to move. So yep. Lindgren needs a new contract, he's gone. Kako needs a new contract, he's gone. Um honestly, it it kind of stops after that. You, you, like, go down the list. You're not trading Igor because if the Rangers lose and he's bad, there's no market for him. You can't trade Zabanajed, you can't trade Panarin, you can't tr- you You could trade Kreider, but they won't. Um You're not gonna trade Lafreniere now. No way. Are you kidding me? Though I will say that becomes your best trade chip. Where if if you want to disturb the core and bring in a high quality piece, you will have to trade Lafreniere to get it. I think he could, so he could be. I, I'm I'm not going to keep him out of it. He's the only guy you can use to get massive. One, yeah, yeah, a big piece because you're not going to get it for Kako. He's been diminished. You're not going to get it for Lindgren. He's diminished. Like if you wanted to take someone from this roster and say this player can get me. A star player back, it's Alexis Lafreniere. That, yeah, that's
1: it. I don't know who that star player is. I think for a long time that player would have been Pedersen, but the Vancouver Canucks are very good this year. Don't see that happening. So, mm-hmm. uh, This is from on 30 If NYR do trade for Henrique, they'll have two players that are directly responsible for the somewhat recent Ranger playoff losses. Quick and Henrique. If Drury is in the building, building the infinity gauntlet of playoff disappointment, who else Makes up the rest of the stones. Alec Martinez is the obvious next addition.
2: Yeah. Uh, um, Peugeot?
1: Peugeot is one as well. Peugeot,
2: he, Peugeot is a Ranger
1: killer. He destroyed the Rangers in that Ottawa series. So destroyed. That's, that's four, so they need a fifth? Yeah, they need one more. Uh, Jack Hughes? <laughs> <I'm>
2: okay. <laughs> no. I don't, because I don't. when I think back on that Devils series, I don't think an individual Devil destroyed the Rangers as much as the Rangers destroyed the, the Rangers. The Rangers
1: destroyed themselves before the Devils did.
2: Um... Can we go back in time and, like, re... re- uh, fuck, what's the word I'm looking... Revive, re- there it re- is. Retroactively? Re- revive Ben Bishop?
1: Hmm, interesting.
2: I guess so. That's one.
1: Like, Tampa, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I thought the Rangers also sort of, like, ran out of gas. I don't yeah, think but they...
2: I, like I have Bishop memories from that. Yes. Uh, I mean, Tom Wilson's an obvious answer, just from the... It would be funny if he broke the Rangers and he's the last piece that fixes the Rangers standpoint... Yeah,
1: hmm. uh, that's a that we named named enough. There we go. This is from David. Uh, should Ryan finally watch Miracle? I'm sort of not out of spite currently. Maybe I'll figure it out soon. I've I don't watching, know what to
2: tell you. You have D- Disney Plus. I've
1: been watching Six Nations on not, on Netflix. It's really good.
2: No, I watched the Marvels today.
1: Okay, not good. Yeah, Marvels in a little bit of a tough stretch. I think their only hope is a man named Deadpool. So,
2: yeah. Well, I'm just happy people took my advice or already. Knew what advice I would say. Did you see the Love, Love and Monsters was getting in the Discord this week? I
1: I did, and I was
2: just, uh, immediately shocked. It, it's a phenomenal it, movie. I watched yeah. it again last night. It's I great. did see the I did see the dog
1: award from uh, in Germany. So yeah. congratulations.
2: <laughs> two, I, I broke my heart. I found I learned. People I watched are Really the credits. confused
1: by the way they have not watched BSBOT, so they're super confused or so. listen to it since yeah. it's an audio. Platform. Oh, that too. Oh.
2: Uh, dog or boy was played by two different dogs. It's just I don't know how they do that.
1: Unbelievable. This is from Gray Red. At what point do we say do we know the Lafta to Breadline works? Well, oh, sorry, Laugh Breadline works. And we know Wheeler is not top six, so we mix up the top six to find other combinations that worked. We criticize Glenn for not trying these frequently. You asked this before the Chicago game, and guess what happened? That's on you. Um next question from Isbox. Am I crazy for wanting Vlad back to help us make a deep run? I don't know what other impact player would fit in, nor if we can even afford him. Put him in the first line hope for the best. We did a deep dive on this, I think, in our insiders chat over the past couple weeks. It seems they cannot retain again on Vlad because he was on the contract last year as well. I don't think trading for him makes him it make makes it work unless you can trade someone like Akako or Goodrow to clear up space on the roster.
2: Uh, once again, Pitlick is all you have to include in the trade to make it work. That's it. Are we sure? Yes, he okay. makes five million dollars. The Rangers have about four point four in cap space. You add in an eight hundred thousand dollars salary. 4.4 4 t- plus 0. 0.8 is 5.2. You can afford Vlad. Can't do anything else, but that's the move you make. I'm just not a... Here's the thing about Vlad that we don't talk enough about. He wasn't very good when he was on the New York Rangers last year.
1: wasn't electric. was good. I wouldn't say he wasn't he like was a fine. game changer.
2: I think it was fine. Are we really trying to... like? If we're trying to find fine, do we have to use all our salary cap space to add a fine player? No, that I may think, or may not Drew work.
1: something more than him.
2: I just, I just want someone that's having a better season. Frankly, like I've become a big Jacob Silverberg guy. He's been dynamic for the Ducks, a really bad hockey team. I, I
1: look. I think Shannon said it best. They might wait till the deadline, so we might have to wait if that's the case.
2: Fine. I did, like at that point, so many wingers are gonna be off the board that the Rangers will be the last person to at the to dance without a partner, and they won't have to offer much. Give me Jacob Silverberg for a second round pick. I'm a happy camper.
1: So this question is from Kristen. Can you guys explain the trade deadline salary cap situation this year? Last year you had Puckpedia explain the accrual process, but I think you guys mentioned on OT that we are not accruing cap space this year. What changed and what is different from last year? The Rangers have players on long term IR, notably Philip Heal. Yep. And when when you have a player on long term IR, they cannot accrue cap space.
2: That's correct. And uh the, I think the Rangers know this now because they've been, and I'm sure we talked about Adam Edstrom and Matt Rempe before five-star questions in the open we absolutely did Yes, i'm sure we did Uh, possibly yes they're not manipulating the system like they used to because and but they're not just not manipulating the system it feels like they are carrying an extra skater on top of their extra skaters because Drury understands all right i'm just gonna have 4.4 million dollars at the cap nothing i can do can change this so why don't i start rewarding some guys with some time on the big league roster and that's essentially why rempy's here i get rempy's actually here in case Panarin goes on paternity immediately. But even then, I think if Panarin goes on paternity, Pitlick will be in the lineup with Edstrom. And Rempi is just here to get a shine for having a pretty good year in Buffalo, Hartford right now.
1: Right. Uh, this next question is from Mac. Can someone find out where Kevin Klein is and now ask him how to have the conversation with Wheeler about quietly retiring without telling anyone?
2: Isn't he in Switzerland? Isn't he just chilling? Yeah, he's probably just chilling. He yeah. got a
1: big, he got a big paycheck secretly, so. <laughs> allegedly. I don't know. Uh, this is from Alley Rangers. I'm convinced we need right wing one as a trade priority, especially given the recent hard work by Brodie to, to to prove he deserves a playoff spot. Who is the right wing one you want, and who do you give up? We've talked to Vlad and Vitrano a lot, but we are. Are there any other hidden gems on your radar? I think you just mentioned Silverberg.
2: Yeah, I'm a big Silverberg guy. Um, I know a lot of people and rightfully so, are in on Jordan Eberle. The thing that makes the um, the Kraken such an interesting trade partner is people talk all the time about, you know, we spent the last week being like, can we get Vetrano and Henrik? Can we do all our shopping with just the Ducks? You could do my entire game plan with this deadline just by trading with the Kraken because they have... Uh I I'm gonna hold on. I'm pulling up their names. I'm doing this proper. Pulling it
1: up. It's pulling it up. Theme but song,
2: the, he's pulling it up. That's thank you. You watch soccer. I know. That's very kind of you. Um <laughs> Did you did you like the Chelsea chant by the way? The opposing fans is your team is shit. And but the we, Chelsea we fans know. reacted with We Are Shit. We <laughs> are shit. We are shit. <laughs> oh, it's great. It was phenomenal. Um anyway. It's so good. The uh the players the the Kraken have the Kraken have two players in the minors that I like that are younger players. Well, not younger players, but kind of AHL veterans. Cole Lind is a right winger that is producing at a high rate in Seattle that they apparently have no room for. doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And then they also have John Hayden, who's a guy that can play both center and right wing that's having a pretty good year down there. They also have a guy by the name of Cam Hughes, who plays center and left wing that I think is scoring over a point per game pace and is one of the leading scorers in the AHL. So you can get these veteran depth guys in the AHL and you can get Jordan Eberle and adding the depth guys in the AHL is not going to raise the price significantly. So you could do one-stop shopping in Seattle. That's why I've always thought Seattle is a pretty interesting trade trade candidate.
1: I look, I, I think there's, there's plenty of great options there. I just don't know. I think is going to go for more proven than not. That's my one concern.
2: I don't know. I, we say that, but like, this is the same guy who brought in Frank Vetrano two years ago. He did, yes. Gave yes. him top line minutes. Brought in Andrew Kopp two years ago. Gave him top six minutes. Brought in Nico Mikola and was not afraid of giving him top pairing minutes. I know that was more by circumstance than it was by plan. But Chris is a guy that continues to go out there and is fine trading for guys to then give them a much larger role than they previously had on an otherwise bad team. So I'm I'm not sure that he's necessarily a guy who shops by name only. Agreed. Uh, two more questions from Todd to Seamus. Greg has always been
1: adamant. That the Rangers think Goodrow is a benefit to the team. Is it me or recently does it feel like he's trying to figure out how to tell them he wants to see other people?
2: It's you buddy. I don't know. They they assigned him the Nathan McKinnon line. That was the game plan. And he played very well. Well, he didn't play great, but that was that was the game plan. Oh,
1: sorry. That was the game after
2: he played really well. Where yeah. he was the uh, number was, one right? somehow. Yeah, no, you are projecting. that. That's what you're doing, bud. I don't know what else to say.
1: I think he could be frustrated that he's not a third liner like he used to be, but I'm not sure he's asking
2: out. But that's... again, Goodrow plays more. Each night than yep. the third line does. Agreed. So I, yes. I get it. We we like calling the fourth line the fourth line, and we think it's like an insult. Fact of the matter is, Parkley Goodrow routinely sees more ice than Will Cooley. So which one would you tell me is a fourth liner?
1: From, final question from Cal regarding the Morgan Riley hit. It seems Toronto fans and the media think anything more than two games is too much. However, Truba got two games for elbowing play that seemed accidental. He likely got two games because of the baseball bat swing earlier in the season. That was only a fine. To me, Riley Crosscheck was clearly intentional and to the head, but he's the first-time offender. Is it fair that the NHL player safety system seems to run a merit-like system, or should all players be always be equally punished? Truba would get six plus games if he did that to Riley.
2: I don't know. Players, you you expect me to make sense out of players? Cal, we are in a
1: way deeper discussion than the NHL punishment <laughs> system here, buddy. This yeah. is. This goes way further than the NHL.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, when we get it to the Supreme court, we'll then be able to litigate it for fully. E- and even, properly. Then, even then. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right. That's been the episode fun. Yeah. Jawan cool. Jennings,
2: 2024. Nice call. I promise you. I talked again. This is people who it's stuck into the end. They, uh, you guys listen to this entire podcast. I promise you. We spent twenty minutes talking about Juwan Jennings at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> oh, beginning right. of this one? Ryan, the bets the bets were so they were so easy. Over one and a half receptions was plus money. On this podcast? On this podcast.
1: We talked about it at the
2: open? Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. That was so long ago. I'm sorry. I just forgot. That's yeah, a- no, yeah. We're yeah.
2: definitely recording this in order. Like yeah. we always do. Always do. It's yeah. always in chronological. A lot okay. of Juwan Jennings talk.
1: Huh. All right.
2: Uh-huh. Well, this Vid been BSB, uh regular show. So yeah, right. We'll be back. It's not OT, Chief. I don't it know is, what to tell you I, in that
1: one. I didn't. It's it's the regular show. Uh huh. We'll be back later this week. Ah, uh, fuck. When do they play Thursday? Thursday, sadly.
2: Sadly. Okay. Yeah, I like uh, the Wednesday games because then it gives us a proper amount of time to reflect. The Thursday night late podcasts. I don't know, man. They feel they feel tough.
1: They do, especially because I'll be uh, just returning around nine nine p.m. that day. So. Cool. All right, y'all. Have a safe week. Go Rangers. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Love you. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show, and I just want to thank our NHL Insider Club members for just another week of supporting this podcast. Could not do it without you. Without further ado, I'm Cohen Adam Curtulo Adam C- Adam Keach Alex Flynn Alex Gardner Amber Coensberg Andrew Ronder Anthony Gray Anthony Maturo Anthony and Ari Zanger Ben Waters Ben Weber Bill Olson Bill Rottel Brandon Lacos Brandon Magnum Brett Ranger Brett McGinnis Brian Doherty. Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Bri- Brian Farrell, Cassidy Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman, CJ, Chris Finelli, Chris Chris Haru, CJ Selwag, and Conrad P. Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel, Daniel DeZen, David and David Siegel, DJ Banana Jazz, Derek Breschneider Eric Stag, Garrett Reynas, Greg, Grasky McFly, Harrison Hasco, Hello Vanilla, Pip Pip eighty nine, Jack Bagley, Jack Rogan, Jake Keith, James Masker, Jerry and Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zabrasky, John Hardesty, John Shade, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Josh White, Chris from Florida, Cry or Die, Christoph Berg, Lee Plummer, Leszek, Gronowski, Lou Giornano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Klein, Meatball the Cat, Mike Koenig, Mike, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Mancuzu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hannafie, Neeks, Neil Grover, Nick, Nicky Palms, Nicholas DiNicola, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Paul Pavel, Phoenix Ignition, PJ Sparrow Randy Tester, Ryan seep Sieb. Sieb, yeah, that's right, Ryan Watch Miracle, yes, yes, it's the Wright with Drop UK. Tommy Sinclair, Tommy O'Neill, Tommy O'Neill, O'Neil, Tony Gregory, two first names. Tony from, Manhattan, Tory from Manhattan, the original supporter. Vinny Bracco, Will Specter, and Winston the Golden Retriever. Bark, 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 bark. Hey, if you're going to Casino Night and you're still listening to this podcast, I will be there. Say hello. Uh, come chill. I've never been to a Casino Night, so it'll be really interesting. Um, we'll see how that goes. And uh, boy, another fun week of Rangers hockey. Team seems to uh, have put it back together here. I'm actually recording this with 48 seconds left in the third period. So if something else goes poorly after this, boy, that'll be a laugh, huh? Anyway, love you guys. See you next week. Bye.